welcome to The Breakdown. My name is Josh Morgan, and each week Mary Solis, Brock Yonke, and I take a bite-sized portion of the weekend teaching at Hope Fellowship Church, and we break it down contextually, theologically, some might even say philosophically. Some some might say that. Some might say that. Yeah. And our hope is that the next 20 minutes or so is going to serve as an additional resource for you to know God better and take a step closer to the center of his purpose for your life. Uh, Mary won't be with us this week. We look forward to having her back next week. Brock, after one week of recording a podcast with us, she needed a vacation. We, we already got rid of her after one week. She went on, <laughs> went on the vacation. So uh, yeah, so thanks, Mary, for uh, ditching us after one week. But she'll be back. She'll be back uh, we're next excited, week. We're excited to have you back, Mary. Uh, you can always find our weekend messages at hopefellowship.net forward slash messages or on the Hope Fellowship app. Uh, this weekend was part of uh, our current Live No Lies series. It was part two, and our lead worship and production pastor, Terry Kelly, led us through lies of the world and the flesh, and he explained how our enemies of the flesh, the world, and the devil are constantly trying to distort the truth and distract and move us away from God, but Christ has not only provided redemption from these enemies, but he has given us an opportunity to position ourselves uh, before God in a way that brings us greater peace and joy and fulfillment really than we ever thought possible. And so what we're going to do is there were several passages used, and we're going to camp in on one passage, and we're going to break it down. We're going to get a little more in-depth to it and and go some places maybe that we weren't able to go with the time Mm. requirements and everything this weekend. But we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And, And for us, this is such a pivotal passage yeah. in our journey as we were looking at it and and talking about what we wanted to do on this podcast. And we, we mentioned Romans 12, 1 through 2, and we both kind of lit up uh, because this, this passage has meant so much to us. Giddy. I was giddy. Giddy. That's a good... Because it's, it's really provided for me <laughs> a great framework for my journey in getting healthy in my relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. This passage has really been one of the more pivotal ones in my journey. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think as you study this, hopefully it'll have that same effect on your journey, because I think this can be a game changer type passage yeah. for how we view how we're supposed to navigate this journey. For so sure. this, is, this is huge. Uh, and so we're going to uh, read this passage today. And one of the things that's interesting is normally we read the New Living Translation, but we're going to we're gonna shake it up a bit. We're going to break it down a little bit. We're going the NIV, mm. the New International Version. In yeah. case you're wondering why maybe there's the different versions of the Bible uh, the original scriptures are written in Greek and Hebrew, and people just translate these, uh, and there's just different ways they use the English. And so we're going to look at the NIV today. So, Josh, is it all right if I, if I read this? Do you have anything else you need to say before? No, I please. Get okay, here we go. So, Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. So, relax, sit back, and enjoy the dulcet tones of Romans 12, 1 through 2. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, all right, so we'll break that down, but man, that passage just is phenomenal. I love me. it. I've been so excited to talk about this. There is so much going on in that verse. It does help to kind of back up a little bit, think contextually about these verses. Uh, the apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And Rome, obviously, it's like the city in its time. It's the London, the Tokyo, 
the Abilene, Texas the, of its day. The Abilene, Texas <laughs> of its day. That's what Abilene thinks. Okay, okay, yeah. good. I was, didn't, that didn't make sense to me. So now, interestingly, you. Um, you know, the book of Acts ends with Paul in Romans. However, uh, Paul's never actually visited the, the Church of Rome when this letter is being written. And he mentions several times that, you know, he wants to, to visit them, to see them. Uh, now, I thought this was really cool. It's thought that the founding members of the Church of Rome actually consisted uh, maybe of some of Paul's associates, some of the people that Paul had led to Christ personally. And really cool uh, thing about this, some of the 3,000 converts from the day of Pentecost who were visiting Jerusalem Holy Spirit falls, uh, they become Christians, and then go back to Rome and help uh, kind of plant this church. That's that's a really neat yeah, and, thing and, to think about. And the thing that's cool about this, too, is this scenario. There was, there was a lot of Jewish people there that converted to Christianity, and there's also a lot of Gentiles in the church, people who were not Jewish. And so this letter is a good help at us, Jewish or Gentile, Understanding how those the unity in the church should be, yeah, and how those people are to come together under Christ, because that was a really big area of contention in the early church. And so this letter is a real huge attempt to say, here's how you live together in harmony because of the gospel, right? So it's a cool passage, yeah. And right out of the gate, he addresses uh, he addresses those kind of buckets as far as the people who are in there. Uh, a major purpose for this letter, obviously, Paul is presenting this complete and detailed. Uh, presentation of the gospel message. So chapters one through eleven, um, some have even referred to this uh, as as Paul's like systematic theology. And then we get to chapter twelve, and there's this strong pivot where Paul is saying, now in light of this gospel, here's how Christians live yep. out of this gospel. And so, like we said, so many incredible, exciting things that are happening in here. It's like. The, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, passage. And mm. so I was thinking about this and going, you know what? We got the golden ticket. And so Mr. Willy Yonka, please open the <laughs> gate, give us the tour, and show us all the wonderful I don't, treats. I don't know where to us. go. We're talking Abilene, Texas, golden tickets, <laughs> Willy Yonka. Uh, so that's, that's pure imagination. Pure imagination. So uh, as we break this passage down, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the very first word of this, like Josh just said, is therefore. So whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you should always ask the question, What's it there for? What's it there for? Why is it referring back to? And so 1 through 11, Paul's laying out this elaborate, beautiful uh, theology, and he's also talking about the greatness, the goodness, the wonderfulness of God. And so God has done so many things to bring us together, to bring us into his family. And so therefore, in light of that, now he's getting in chapter 12, Here's some practical implications of what you do with how great the gospel is. And mm-hmm. so that's a really cool uh, cool way to get started in this passage. Is therefore, that something your mom also told you, the what's there for there? No, she just said chapter day keeps the yeah, devil away. Thank yeah. you, though, for the good uh, the good memory, though. Hey, but, Brock's mom. Yeah, it says, um, in view of God's mercy, so there, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, and that's always fun. I love saying brothers and sisters. That feels very churchy. Brothers and sisters, come with me. Uh, but in view of God's mercy, and mercy is one of my favorite biblical words, because it means that we're being a treated being treated in a way that we did not deserve to be treated. Yeah. And so in view of God's giving us this beautiful gift, therefore I urge you now to act in a certain way. One of my favorite theological ideas about salvation, what Jesus did first, is called the Great Exchange, where we bring all of our sin, our hurts, our pain, our wounds to Jesus, and we give him that mess. In exchange, we get forgiveness yeah. and life and grace. So that is a pretty great exchange. Here's some junk, some 
crud. Yeah. I almost said a different word. I don't know if you can say that on a Christian <laughs> podcast. Here's some crud. And, and in turn, we get all these beautiful things that Jesus gives us. It's Absolutely. Cool. And it just evokes such gratitude. Right? Yeah. So in light of God's mercies, Paul is... Uh, he's he's saying, hey, he's going after the emotions. Yeah, he's going for gratitude here. Uh, in light of everything that we just laid out of the gospel in chapters one and eleven, in light of those things, right? There's gratitude. Yeah. And so and now he's kind of so he's walking us through what that looks like, right? Yeah. And so in because of that, so in, in in view of that, because of that mercy, he urges us to do something, and he says, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And so he's not just in here, if you look at the Greek word, it is kind of this idea of body, but it's not, there's other context clues here that it's not just, hey, offer your physical body. But he is evoking a little bit for the Jewish audience here, back to the sacrificial system, and you would offer an animal body, you would offer a body. And so he's saying there's a new way to sacrifice, a new way to worship, and it's not just a one-time thing, but it's living, continual but it's not just your body, but it's your the way you think, the way you reason, your emotions. Offer your entirety, your entire self to God. So in view of God's mercy, hey, offer all who you are right. to Jesus. And that's a pretty interesting, holistic yeah. concept. It's not just here's one aspect, but all of yourself offer to Jesus. Yeah, and my understanding of the the Old Testament sacrificial system that is coming to the mind of Paul's readers, his yep. original readers, uh, they're... Uh, initial probably thought of sacrifice is that sacrifice for of atonement, uh, which to your point, Jesus is our sacrifice for atonement. Yeah. Uh, but then there was also a, a second um, like whole burnt sacrifice that was a thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this. Um, and, and so when Paul is talking about the sacrificial living, uh, it's, it's us, recognizing what Christ has done and then coming to him and saying, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Uh, thank you for giving me your life. Now here's my life. I trust you with all of it. Uh, and, and so there's that now wholehearted, well-rounded gratitude. Yeah. And I think what he's saying there too is you think about in the Jewish worship and the sacrifice, you went to the temple. It was a, a specific event at a specific time. And this idea of living sacrifice means that it's not confined to a specific place or a specific time. No. It is continuous worship, that we're taking all of ourselves and continuing to offer to God at all times. It's not just, hey, here's an event. Um, and he's saying this is your true, this is true worship. The other one was a, a type. Here's a kind of a way to look at worship, but now that you can continually offering yourself to God, that is true and proper Which that, worship. that's attention getting, that he says, this is your true worship. Yeah, yeah. So the interesting thing about this, that Paul is saying true worship, uh, is that word means uh, logical, right? Reasonable. Yeah. In, the Greek, in the Greek, it gives us that context because it's based on the word logos, which is to reason. Yeah. Right. So as, as you were kind of digging into this, was there a sense that you were getting uh, almost that – Hey, if Jesus really did do this, then the only reasonable response is to live as a living sacrifice. That's it. Yeah. The reasonable response, the under, like if you were to use logically walk that out, you've been given this great exchange. And so logically giving of your entire self continuously would be the, the only response that you 
could come up with. Yeah. How helpful is that? Because first Paul, he appeals to our emotions, mm-hmm. which I think when we think of, of worship, we think of like that emotional like feeling, which is great. It's being affirmed here, but also, Hey, even when it doesn't feel right, yeah, there's actually still a way to logically worship the Lord, yeah. to remember what he's done and to let that be the thing that evokes this sense of worship in our life. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's interesting too, is when we talk about worship in this sense, this is the kind of worship that God finds acceptable or well-pleasing, what God desires. He doesn't just desire uh, that sacrifice. He desires all of us. And so that's a, a when we think about what is pleasing to God in terms of worship, it's this holistic view of worship because of what Jesus did for us. Uh, and let's jump into verse two, if you don't mind. Yeah. It says, don't conform or do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is the part I think that is really just transformational to me because it's not just talking about somewhat of a transformation. It's talking about this deep transformation, this reprogramming of the mind to go back and have this view of all the beauty and the wonder and the amazing things that Jesus has done for us. And in light of that, as our minds are transformed by that great gospel message, therefore we are now called to not walk after the patterns of this world, but find a, a more spiritual plane, a better way of looking at life, and to pattern our, our life after that. And that is deep transformation. We start to do the things that Jesus has asked us to do and he showed us to do. And that's where deep transformation, where that change of who we really are takes place when we start to live like Jesus asked us to live. And yeah. so I love this passage because one of the things we can do is we go to the scriptures, what he's telling this group of people to do here. And as we are transformed by God's words and this beautiful message that Paul's outlining for us, it does cause transformation in how we live. And it causes us to not just worship then a specific location, a specific time, but all of our life then can become worship because of what Jesus did for us. Right. All simply because he changes the way that we think about things. Yeah. That's incredible to me. So even thinking about Paul uh, on the road to Damascus, Uh, and Jesus meets him and says, you're going to follow me now. It really is super interesting to think about uh, what changed after that, right? Because the the same guy uh, is helped to get back on the same horse by his same buddies. He's on the same road to to the same even group of people, and yet everything has changed. In Paul's life. In Paul's life, and the way he views everything has totally changed because of Jesus. Yeah, and the way he feels, the emotional response, the way he thinks— and so uh, this is just, a, a, again, just such a good passage. And there's a few key words that I think that I, as I look back on this, like the idea of bodies, it doesn't just mean physical flesh, but all of, of what we are. Um, the word mercy, we're given this even though we don't deserve it. And then this idea of transformation by the renewing of our mind, that we can be completely changed, this deep transformation by how we understand who Jesus is and what that means for our life. And so those are just, Mm. those are beautiful concepts to me. Yeah, they really are. Um, You know, this is around the time where that beauty starts to take a little bit of a turn into more of a question mark. (laughs) In our podcast. In our podcast. Yeah, yeah. And we have uh, some kind of conundrum usually right around now. Yeah, this this is the conundrum time based upon this passage. Okay, so... One of the things I like to do is I try really hard, and again, Mary calls this the bitter bitter old man section, mm-hmm. but I try really hard to think, that's not just think the way we've always been taught, but what is a biblical New Testament way of thinking because of what Jesus did for us? And so 
One of the issues that I think we've unintentionally created in the church is that we, when we sing songs on a Sunday morning, we call that, hey, it's time for worship. And so we've created this idea that maybe specific rituals, if you're more of a liturgical background or uh, more contemporary, the singing songs, that this is our time of worship. And we have programmed in our minds that that, oh, that's worship. But if we really understand, especially from this passage, a New Testament perspective on worship, worship that's a beautiful piece of it, but that's just a piece of worship. Right. True worship is offering our entire selves, not just in a specific place at a specific time where worship music occurs, but true worship is looking at how we live our lives and how we've been transformed outside of that experience, along with that experience might be a better way to say that. And so our, my conundrum is that we've used the word worship so much to describe a singing time that we say, oh, that's worship. We're really, the way I treat you is worship. Mm. The way I treat my spouse, that's worship. The way I can respond to someone, the way I might think about how great Jesus is and wonderful and remember what he's done for me, uh, the way I might think about his mercy, the way uh, I'm just living my life. If we're to really embrace what Paul is saying here, that is worship. So worship is singing, but it's also the way we think, it's the way we are experiencing life, and it's, and it's really heavily reliant upon the way we treat other people. And so if we're going to, I'd love to redefine worship, that, hey, we're going to sing songs of worship here, but let's keep worshiping as we go out and we live, because that's where true, acceptable, what God desires, that's where his worship really takes place. So that's my, that's my bitter, or or, I'm sorry, that's my conundrum (laughs) for for, for this section here. So no, that's really good uh, insight because we were created for worship. The worship doesn't End. And so it's helpful for us to understand that so that we can begin to start to grow in our self-awareness of, of what am I worshiping? Who am I worshiping? Uh, it's not that it just starts and stops at a particular time of the week or a particular time of the day. Uh, I think in general, uh, people um, maybe get a sense of that when because they want to know, like, what's the purpose of my life? right? Uh, what is true? What's good? What's right? Uh, and so people of God specifically are wanting to know what is his will? How can I worship him? Uh, know that I'm in the center of his, his will for my, my life. And what's uh, crazy is that typically um, we allow the world to be the one that like influences us, influences our, our direction, our, tra- our trajectory, um, even if that's uh, not necessarily intentional because we want things to be better. We uh, want to be happier. We want to feel better about everything. Uh, but ultimately, that tends to lead to like shallowness that uh, maybe leaves us feeling fake or empty or alone or, or even worse, it, it distorts the truth of God. It actually keeps us from the peace and the joy and the happiness that he has for us. And it's difficult because that's the message we continually hear all the time. Yeah advertising, TV shows, whatever we do, we're getting a, a very much a, uh, a perspective outside of the scripture. So that's going to start to transform our brains. That's yep. going to transform the way we think. And yet we're being called here to come back and find a different, deep transformation through Jesus Christ. Yeah, the true life-changing transformation that scripture says is good and pleasing and perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we we see then why this is such a big deal. We see why this is important, why growing in our relationship uh, with God through regularly reading and meditating on scripture, 
uh, through spending time with him in prayer, why that's so important. Because we need him to be the one that's transforming us. Yeah. And not by us telling him what, what it is that we want changed, mm-hmm. but by going to him and listening to the desires of his heart for us. And so this verse is telling us uh, the exact steps to take uh, in order to know and to move to the center of God's will for our life. Yeah. And so we're being called once again, therefore, think of all the things that God has done in view of that mercy, which we don't deserve to offer our entire selves to him. This is what he's desiring for us. This is what true worship looks like. And as we continue to transform the way we think, the way we reason, because of remembering what Jesus did for us, it's going to have an effect on life. And we're going to be people that really spend a little bit more time treating others well. It's it's like the key to everything. Uh, the key to the, the the meaning of life, I should say, is we go back and find that in Jesus and let that transform us deep in our souls and we just go out and live that thing. Yeah. So maybe to, to just kind of tie this up, uh, into a little bow, um, what do we do? Uh, Paul says, uh, in light of God's mercies, be a living sacrifice. Oh, how do I do that? Let God transform the way you think about everything. Okay, how do I do that? Uh, it's reading his word. It's seeking him in prayer. It's worshiping him with every part of my life. It's going to God and saying, what do you want me to do with this? What does your word tell me to do with that, right? So job, energy, time, uh, money, relationships, God, how can I worship you in all of these things? Right, and knowing it's a process, we're not going to be perfect at it, but what we're called to do is being in part of that process of letting God transform us, and it's a journey. So let's get on that journey, and we fall down, we get back up, and we keep going on that journey, letting our minds, letting our hearts, letting our lives be transformed by Jesus so we can love others well. Awesome. I love it. I think that's it. That's the breakdown. Yep. Man, guys, we hope that you're encouraged by how much God loves you. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Breakdown. You know, it's our hope that you've learned something new about God's Word for the sake of knowing God and taking one step in your journey to the center of God's purpose for your life. If you're wanting to keep the discovering going, which we hope you are, you can check out past episodes at hopefellowship.net slash podcasts or by searching The Breakdown on Spotify or any other streaming platform. And don't forget, please leave us a review. We'll see you guys next time for another episode of The Breakdown. The Breakdown.